Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Podcast episode number two hundred and forty-eight, and I'm your first host, Marcello. First, did you say Hurst host? Hurst. I'm your Hurst host. host. Oh, that's a that's a host faux pas. I'm your host suck. host. Yeah, somebody's job is being a Hurst host, which has to be pretty depressing if you think about it. But, anyways, I'm uh, host number two, D. And I'm host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. I am back from Brazil on my vacation, living in living in Sin. Oh, was so, it? Did you go alone? No. <laughs> I went with my wife and three other women. And oh, met up with a bunch of that... my previous friends uh, that I met when I was living down there. And it was... Uh, it was trying to pack two years of experience in two weeks, so it was, it was busy. That is a hell of a name trying to come into this channel. That's you said you went. You said you went with your wife and and three other women. It was that kind of trip, or is that just like Not that kind that's of trip? No, there's okay. three women right. that my wife works with. She decided she wanted to invite some of her friends, and so they came to. It's one of those situations where like, so how was Brazil? And it's like, uh can't really explain it you just have to experience it and so they're like all right i'm coming and interesting just showed them around and gave them, like showed them what we know let, let them meet the people that we know did all the things went to carnival it was, uh it's nuts mm, all the things that kidless people get to do that is correct must be nice well I mean, people with kids can do it too. It wouldn't say much about their parenting skills, but they could they could just take off. No, hey, no impromptu trips to carnival when you have kids. Hey, there, hey was, grandparents. A, there, was, a, there was a kid-friendly the carnival kid. part We're of the day. Of here. <laughs> people do it all the time. Nobody said that they're great parents, but people do it all the time. Hey, uncles, remember how you're my brother? You're going to take care of my kids for a week. I'm out. That's how it goes. <laughs> um... So what did I miss? What did I miss? Because like the whole time we kept booking Airbnbs in the in various places that we were going, uh, and they didn't have internet. And if they did, I wasn't using it. Uh, I was at the beach or something like that, so I wasn't even on the computer most of the time. What did I miss? What happened? I know like Ethereum hard forked successfully. That's a you know go. What did go you Ethereum. miss? Ethereum had an upgrade, which means a hard fork in the Ethereum community. There's no Roger Vares in the Ethereum community to say like, I don't agree with this. I'm making an entire different currency. No, they just had a hard fork and they had an upgrade to Constantinople, not Constantinople, which is what I called it like five times last week. Um, what else happened? Oh, you so missed out. Uh, people trying to delete Coinbase like people are trying to delete R. Kelly. That's still going yep. on. That's still going on. We're going to talk about that yeah. here later. I want to bring that up with other people to see, like, because uh, that's been talk. People have been talking about that in Slack. So I also read almost everything that happened in the Slack. Uh, I may have been drunk at the time, so I don't remember most of it. But I definitely yeah. read it. Um, yeah, Coinbase hired Neutrino, and everybody said, "Hey, man, we don't like that." So people tried to delete Coinbase, and then there were even instances of Coinbase saying, <laughs> "So silly." I don't. Can't I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe it either. It feels really fake, but 
anyways, I'm not going to go investigate. I got other investigative journalism going on. If you guys haven't listened to just the headers, we're trying to figure out some shit. Jesse's on a mission this week. Um, but that so Coinbase is doing all kinds of hey, we originally invested in by Goldman Sachs, so we're going to start doing Goldman Sachsian like things, which is to be expected. I mean, they're going for an IPO soon. If you heard it anywhere, you heard it here. Um, they're doing shit to kind of align with what the financial incumbents need. I mean, who's surprised? That's like I said. So, from what I I'd read, some things, and the original the original thing was they had a third party. I'm not. I don't remember who it was that they were dealing with. Uh, I was doing like um, the blockchain physics for them that was selling off the data that. Coinbase was giving to them to other people. So Coinbase wasn't necessarily profiting from this data. The third party they were using that was doing the service for them was profiting from this data. So in, 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 in exchange, they said, no longer no longer we're going to do that. We're going to buy a company called Neutrino do the, and, and we're going to do it in-house. Now, also, there's a lot of a bit of controversy around um, the quality of Neutrino and their previous endeavors uh, uh, that, had, that kind of lit the community on fire, which I think it, uh, maybe didn't start, but exacerbated the delete Coinbase movement on Twitter, uh, to which Brian Armstrong responded with saying, uh, we did due diligence on the technology. There's controversy on that as well, but he said that, but we didn't do enough due diligence on the people behind it. And in that light, we apologize. And the people who used to work for Neutrino will be transitioning outside of Coinbase. So basically they're saying they're not going to work for us. That's And then some people said, yeah, you know, well played. Good job. Way to, way to listen to the people and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, no shit. Like you're using someone else. You're, you're, you're offloading your responsibility for your private keys and your transactions. And they have a tremendous amount of data as every other centralized service out there has. And they're a for-profit company. What do you think they're going to do with it? Why do you think no one says at the end of the week? Everyone says at the end of the day. Hmm. Sorry. I caught more than Coinbase, what you said than just that. Crypto happens way too fast for, for weeks. Weeks, weeks are way too slow. Even though we operate on a weekly basis, too slow. I. It's just that I don't see why people got so upset at this. I'm, a, I'm more upset at Coinbase for the Ripple thing. But I even called that last year when I was like, oh, they changed their rules three times. They're waiting for the community to not yeah, give a shit. Again, and then they're going to say, again, okay, they, XRP. Like, people want to use Ripple. Uh, who are they to say no? They're trying to make money and provide a service for people. They're not, they're not opinionated in a lot of ways. They're opinionated in how do I make more money? Have you ever seen the Tyra Banks meme where she's like, we believed in you? <laughs> that's what I feel like about Coinbase sometimes. But I still that's that's the crazy paradox is I still refer them to my fucking family and friends because it's like, damn, this you're so simple. Just go to Coinbase. Ray's having like, a hard time holding play. himself in. Hello, Ray. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing today? Ray Redacted joins us again. Ray, um, I haven't heard it yet, but it, it is somebody posted in the Slack. There's a buzz about your crypto one on well, I do want to I do want to weigh in on the uh, the Cipher Trust versus Neutrino thing if it's not too early. Okay, give it a shot, man. Yeah, so you know the big thing about about Neutrino and actually really more specifically the thing about hacking team is that in the infosec world, these guys were very very well known. They had been the authors of EtherCap. If you've ever used EtherCap, those it's a tool set. It's a good tool set. <laughs> yeah, so they'd authored those, right? And then they'd gone to found this company that used uh, O-Days, zero-day exploits, basically, uh, for pretty much the highest bidder. If you were involved even tangentially in the IC or in police work, you could contract with the hacking team. And they did some amazing and dirty and nefarious shit. Okay, They, they had some exploits that were no tap, no click exploits for Windows and Skype. They were using some Apple exploits that had been uh, previously 
disclosed, Wait, but never let's quite back used. Up just a second. What's a no tap, no click exploit? A way to pwn a phone without needing the user to actually click anything, right? So if I have a if I have a text message that will allow me to jailbreak your phone <laughs> without your intervention, that's no click, no tap. Okay, so. Mm. They were selling these to the highest bidder, not just the Italian police, but just about anybody that had any kind of relationship to the IC, the intelligence community, for some pretty bad governments, right? They were a capitalist endeavor using some hardcore black hat hackers. And the reason we know this is because they had a massive data breach themselves. So uh, nearly half a terabyte worth of their tools, their internal emails, their communications, everything was kind of dumped to the world. And it was very obvious that they were not being selective about targeting journalists, even people in the clergy, uh, you know, anyone and everyone who was willing to pay them money. So these guys, one guy was named um, Naga and another guy was named Alor, are actually pretty big celebrities in the black hat community because they were the founders of this massive hacking team company. So it wasn't exactly a secret that Neutrino had connections to hacking team. I mean, it would be sort of like if Michael Jordan and Shaq started up a, a sports clothes company and then someone went, oh, my God, we they know. were related to basketball. <laughs> right. Wait, the first guy's name was Naga. <laughs> yeah. One was Alor and one was Naga. Naga, get on your hacking name. I'm not gonna fucking do security for my company anymore. Is that <laughs> so? Sorry, I had so to the, the beautiful thing about the Coinbase hat trick this week was, you know, when it comes to crisis communications, they did all three within 24 hours. First, they tried to claim complete ignorance. Okay, then as if it wasn't like they weren't digging enough of a hole. Their defense was, well, we only hired them because our previous company that we were using for KYC and blockchain analysis was leaking and selling your data. <laughs> okay. And, you know, and then ultimately third, it's basically been saying, well, you know, we, we need to take these steps, but we're going to keep them as employees and keep paying their contracts for this $14 million payout. We're just not going to give them day-to-day -day operational control. So they're digging a deeper and deeper and deeper hole from a, from a PR standpoint. And I was actually talking to some friends of mine that are not involved in blockchain this week at all. Okay. Not involved in hacking at all. They're members of, uh, of uh, let's say, law enforcement agencies. And they were asking me, do you let's really say. think anyone, do you really think anyone cares about this? Does anyone really care? And I was like, yes, absolutely. People care because they're trying to close their accounts and because of dusting, some accounts won't close. And by the way, with Twitter, you only need one in 100 accounts to not close for it to look like it's 90% of them that won't close, right? And most people had multiple Coinbase accounts because there was one you got before KYC and one you got after KYC, and people are all confused as to which is which. So it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I feel like, you know, they should have hired Michael Jackson's publicists from this week instead because they would have gone on Oprah and been able to straighten Ooh, it all out. Too soon, Ray. Too soon. <laughs> Look, he's been, just saving, Michael that. He's been alone. saving that. He's been saving that. He's been like, I'm going to use this. <laughs> Look, we've got to leave Michael alone. The man has passed away, and he gave the earth joy. Let's just move along. Okay, we can definitely take that right out. Now. You can definitely take that out in post. But my point is, is that they just kept digging it deeper and deeper <laughs> and deeper. And to this day, I still don't know if these guys are actually Coinbase employees. I'm not familiar with the term we're transitioning them out. Does that mean, you know, are they being paid fully? Are they consulting? Are they involved? Who, I mean, it's not knows? really clear. Yeah. Don't don't be surprised if Coinbase is going to sell your shit. There are for-profit Coinbase. Coinbase. Coinbase is going to steal your shit. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to sell your data, man. But so here's the craziest part of the story. The, whole, the craziest part of the story is, and I'm going to bring this back to OPSEC for a second, but most people already have paranoia about what do they know about you when you use Coinbase on the blockchain? Like, for example, do they know what other web browser tabs you have open using cookies? Do they know what your, is in your Amazon cart, right? I mean, it, there's always this question yeah. of how do I establish a truly anonymous Coinbase account? Because, of course, you can't do that without, you know, American KYC restrictions now. And so finding out that someone was hired to help manage their anti-fraud and KYC efforts, who has a history of actually planting O-Days into, into web browsers, probably causes just a tiny bit of that good old-fashioned paranoia Wait and alarm. 
Quality Run this paranoia. back a second, Ray. What's an O day? Zero What's day. What's an O day? Oh, zero day. Okay. Why are you guys lingo? It's dude. It's it's the security. It's, it's just like every other tight deck community. We have acronyms for everything. Oh, ah. I've got a great story for you about this one, Dimitrik. You'll never forget this now. So wait a the... second. Whoa, you can't just use my government name. Ray. Oh, sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. Go for so it. where the term comes from <laughs> is way back in the day. Way back in the day. If you and I were freakers, and that's spelled with a PH, right? And we were stealing phone service to call bulletin boards, <laughs> primarily to trade software, right? If you wanted to one-up me on the Commodore 64 game saying, hey, man, I've got Load Runner and it's only three days old. And somebody else would come along and say, oh, I've got Zork 3 and it's only two days old. You're dropping bombs right now. The software that was zero days old was unreleased software. That was that meant like just like Matthew Lightman in War Games, you would actually hacked into a gaming server and gotten a hold of something that was zero days from release. It had never been released before. And over time, that term has come to mean exploits or patches that are zero days old, meaning that the community doesn't even know they exist. So, so it has to be an inside job then. No, well, no, no actually, it could just be a bug just, that was, that was yeah. part of the initial release that never got found out. Correct. Oh, and, you know, by the way, a lot of times people say, oh, there's no way that, you know, Microsoft could have so many O days. If you just look at the total number of lines of code, just mathematically speaking, O days are going to appear, you know, every X, Y, Z, statistically speaking, that's just going to happen. So it's not necessarily finding them as much as it is exploiting them for remote code execution and things like that. So we have other people in the channel. <laughs> yeah, we have some more caller, caller inner. Called it. Sheep, say something. You had you, your, your, your video on a second ago. You've been with us forever, I think. <laughs> it's been a while. She may have walked away from the. He computer. was on last week's show. Um, she might not. Um, she'll come back. Talk. Mark, you there? But, you got Mark as well. That's her fake last name. Odyssey. That's her name when she hey, like, logs in here. Uh, okay. Well, to move on from. Uh, Brazil and Coinbase. Um, you put something interesting here, Corey, and you're, you're talking points this week. Bank-based money sending apps like Venmo, Zelle, I guess that's Zelle. Maybe you say Zelle. Well, if people, people two say L's Zelle. and they say Zelle, but two L's is yeah, so Zelle. Whatever. What's that gazelle? Yeah. So uh, the reason yeah, why you, I uh, say this you is uncultured mofos. But anyway, no, I'm kidding. Um, Will the rapid movement squash crypto? So, like, um, so like I, I want I brought this up because uh, my mom wanted to send me some money for some reason or another, and um, me being like, yeah, just send it to me, you know, Coinbase or, or just do a, a direct bank transfer. She's like, oh well, my bank doesn't do bank transfers anymore. Can you download Zelle and use that to send me so, so I can send you some money? And it's like, I don't wanna. Uh, I'd rather you just <laughs> use the things that we already have, and. Which is which is kind of funny because like I'm a crypto guy, like not wanting to download financial applications and yet trying to get everyone <laughs> in my entire life to download 15 financial applications. <laughs> um, but eventually, because I was curious, downloaded it and got it because her bank has now offloading a lot of their like um, personal transfers for financial money using this this application called Zelle. Then they probably does something similar. Uh, I know a lot of people use it for just sending money for like you know, paying a bar tab or some shit or, or splitting a check or something. And what's interesting about this is that because the, that infrastructure exists um, already, they can, and, and they have a tremendous amount of money, they can make applications quite rapidly that that maybe feign the um, quickness of sending money from, from, from person to person. And, they, and they're quite easy to use. Like they're, they're convenient, they're easy to use. They have teams behind them building them and they come out faster. Is you think there's an issue with um, them saying like this cryptocurrency is a problem? We don't need to make it or use it. Let's just make something on our own rails that looks like it that does the same shit, and then so yeah. like regular people aren't going to use it. Yeah, of course. I mean, without a doubt, this is the that was the biggest thing when I was an evangelist and quote unquote um, cult member, according to Cello. And I like was 
Bitcoin. I think I bled Bitcoin one time. I got scraped and Bitcoins fell out. Like that's how hardcore I was for it. But banks know and they have known that all they have to do is delay the time and sully the message of what crypto is. And they have enough money to pivot. Money buys you time and they have infinity money because they print and then tax us on it. So they have infinity money. They literally have infinity money. So they can wait as long as they can and then they can pivot as quickly as possible. Oh, let's just buy this quick company, pour money into them and, and make an app that makes people's lives easier. Yeah, but you so already hear they know seeing, that you're, 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 like, we, when we first came out with like uh, like evangelizing Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, it was like, well, I just send you money right now. It's so quick and simple. Download this app, do this thing. And it wasn't quite quick and simple, but it was like really, it, when you used it, you got it, it clicked, but it no. still has some sort of a, a it usability doesn't. issue to it. And then now it, people aren't, it hasn't gotten better. They're like, oh, just download Zelle, this banking app. No, we've accepted the fact that it's been told to us that it's difficult to understand. But when I show someone that I can have Bitcoin go to my bank account and I show someone how when I actually sat my girlfriend down and sent her a transaction and she was like, that's it. That's that it's mine now. Like this money is mine now. And I was like, yeah, she was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, yeah, I didn't need a bank. And she was like, yeah, I don't really give a shit about that part, but that's cool that you can just, <laughs> <laughs> you can just send money to me. And so that, that thing that we've allowed to sink into the community that it's difficult, I think what it boils down to is that when – I hate to be that guy, but when Satoshi was still active, he said the worst thing for a community is a contentious hard fork. And when that was allowed to happen – when Vera was allowed to ki kidnap a third of everyone who was into Bitcoin and take them over to Bitcoin Cash and tell the world that Bitcoin is difficult to use and that message was allowed to persist, well, now we're even agreeing with it with ourselves that it's difficult to use. But it's not fucking difficult to use. Give me your public address. Just like I give you my email address. It's that fucking simple. But that message was allowed to persist. And because it was allowed to persist, banks were given enough time to pivot. And they've now pivoted. And Cash App is getting a shit ton of money. Venmo is getting a shit ton of money. And it's weird. I log into Venmo and I see people telling other people what they're spending their money on. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? That's a public ledger. Okay. Late night broadcast. The F-bombs <laughs> come out. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? That's a public ledger right there. It's not so obscure okay, drug bro. references. Sir. Let me... Yeah. kind of push back on this narrative as someone who has used these uh, apps and prepay apps for years before it became popular the the banks are, are really hoodwinking people because with Vimo and cash app and even paypal you still have to hook up a banking card you still have to have a bank account so it's not really helping people getting into the banking industry yeah you can load up a pre-debit bank card but that gets expensive after a while because you have to, you know, either go to Walmart or 7-Eleven, hand somebody your cash, pay $3.95, and you still have fees attached to that if you use it as a debit card. But even within the um, the app sometimes, it, not all debit cards are accepted. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're causing people to be dependent upon people who already have are in the banking in institutions. And I see this all the time where someone already has a banking account. And they tell somebody who doesn't have a bank account, just download the Vimo card or Vimo app and I'll send you some money. Like you like an emergency situation instead of using Western Union or something like that. And I don't see how this is going to really help people like Bitcoin is supposed to help the unbanked. So I agree yeah. with that. Or that's the Yeah, I, I don't I see how this is gonna agree. help people. And I think what I it is agree. Why? I agree. Um, because one, I think that we have a tendency of looking through things through our Western, I guess, uh, is that even politically correct to say? Anyways, our financially advantaged lenses. Yeah. When a lot of the world doesn't have that. But then I always get to a point where it comes to, okay, let's leverage that. Let's see if we can bank the unbanked. Well, the only use case that I can think of to date that's doing a good job of banking the unbanked is um, 
shit. What's the money they use to pay with text messages on their phones in like Kenya and Zimbabwe and shit? In Pesa. And that was in Pesa. it started from within Kenya and Nigeria because they saw but the guess what? Guess yeah. who owns all the Impesa? A fucking bank in Great Britain. So it's like yes and no. Even, I mean, they're... even when you bank the unbanked, it's gonna roll up into the banks. So they the message that eventually it did, but when it first started out, it was very Kenya and Nigeria. It was very regional based. But if they wanted to, and yeah. there is nothing that those post-colonial countries that are trying to merge into this market can do as they try to get away from the big, large IMF institutions is. They had to make that deal. If they did not make that deal, other things within their country were not going to happen because in PESA, as far as um, the emerging out, uh, market in, on the African continent, was so disruptive. It really was disruptive. It was under the radar. It was the means upon which a lot of people were getting paid. They were buying homes. They were doing, that's how they were doing, getting paid through their jobs. It was what people think Bitcoin is supposed to be, in PESA was doing. And if you're Great Britain, if you're Europe and you want to get into these markets and you still want to control that economic center and you still have some leverage, you're going to tell those companies that are using Impesa, if you want to bank and do things on the global scale, you have to let us in. I think and part that's of that, how they kind of got screwed and fucked. I think a part of that has to do with the fact that like Impesa is still basically built on a centralized infrastructure and banking infrastructure. Bitcoin is the first time in history where that infrastructure wasn't needed. And it's trying but to it's build not, a new one. Uh, uh, it's not. It was minutes from wireless. Yeah, but like those phones. minutes are owned by large tele, like teleco, like teleco companies. At, at the time, there were small regional tele companies yeah. that were within the time, and then as they got bigger, they had to go like through Verizon and AT and T. But even still, AT and T and Verizon wasn't really paying attention or those big tele companies until it got really big to where people were literally buying renting homes that people are getting paid like large that that's how their salary is getting paid and then the other companies were like oh shit this could be this could be the means upon which you know nigeria kenya and uh ghana could divorce themselves from the existing western infrastructure by not dealing with the current banking system they were they were trying um, so many different banking systems were trying to bank people but they weren't using it because of mpesa and so a devil's bargain was made. And unfortunately... The devil's bargain. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> with a lot of these post-colonial countries that are merging into the marketplaces and they try different things to kind of get out of the heel of the Western institutions, they can't because they are they don't have the infrastructure. They just don't have it. And they don't have the global pool to say no. Cello, that's the name of this week's show, by the way. Last that's sure. two weeks in a row. Yeah, you give us the name of the show, The Devil's Bargain. The Devil's I like it. <laughs> I mean, and it was sad. It's sad to see it happen in real time. It was very sad because I was but, like, yeah. Let's be as real as humanly possible. Is that not happening again? Like, I feel like that foundation is being set again just with cryptocurrency. Well, I feel like I here's, here's the difference this. between those two things. In my, Can I say this one thing though? Go ahead. Before I go, before I give you the floor or mic, or podcast, whatever the fuck. Look, I just want to say Coinbase is great. It's done a lot. It's the biggest company. It got on to Silicon Valley, that show on HBO. Goldman Sachs was a seed investor. Uh, Like, I mean, the banks learned their lesson quick with M-Pesa. They're in it. They already are, are in Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin is going to succeed, if crypto is going to succeed, They've pretty much put their foot down that it's going to be at their mercy. There's no more chaos. There's no more anarchy. It's 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 reeled in. It's so Pesa, and Pesa did this, and they were able to do this because they they utilized a technology in a way that hadn't been utilized before. You could trade minutes, and so because you could do this type of thing, you could trade between person to person these types of things. They they started using it as a as a currency within within their communities. Um, now. They didn't get caught on until it got really, really big. But ultimately, it relied on a larger centralized infrastructure that that it did, it would not function had this infrastructure put it, be put in place. The same thing can happen with 
blockchain or something like that, like these types of things can happen where you can un you can bank the unbanked. But ultimately, if the if the bottom layer, the base layer, is controlled by a small group of people, then the same thing will happen, and, the, and it'll get co-opted by those groups of people. What's nice about these open, permissionless, decentralized technologies is that that can't happen. You don't, you, you know, you don't. Like when you go down to the bottom layer, it's not turtles all the way down. It's just a, there's no way to co-opt that piece that you could build on. And so what people are trying to do now is build those layers where you get to like an impeza-like situation where something like that can go viral. And, and communities can do what they would like to do and trade money the way they'd like to be traded and banked without having to rely on people preying on them in their situations. And when it gets big enough, there isn't a section of people at the bottom co-opting them. And I think that's that's like the whole point. I don't I just don't think we're there yet. Well, I have a little bit more of a depressing analogy, not in Peza, but Timo just turned twenty years old this month. Timo was the most revolutionary wow. Linux-based GPL innovation of all time. And they should have been, could have been the champions of all time for DVRs. But the cable companies came along and came up with something crappy that's still just good enough, right? And we could easily see the banks coming up with something crappy, maybe not using decentralization, but being good enough to you know get that adoption and steal yeah. it from the superior technology. What, what about places where they can't? It's it's like the infrastructure is too much to build. Like people won't go into these unbanked situations because the banking infrastructure is too expensive to build there. Do you think these crappy solutions are going to get there? Because more often than not, like she said, like in order to use an app like Zelle, you still need a bank account, which requires that infrastructure. And what happened with like a lot of the like, I think I think it was also Africa where. Uh, and where Impesa started happening is we, they couldn't build power line infrastructure to make landlines. And so, and so yeah. the technology leapfrog ever started using cell phones. Sure. And this technology, this financial technology could leapfrog the banking infrastructure. So you don't require those buildings to be built, those, those businesses to be built and so on and so forth. They can just use the financial network that exists around the world already to do these types of things. Yeah, the leapfrogging of the fiber optic systems and the normal copper systems and all those other types of things is not something that missed notice from major corporations, though. Almost everyone is aware that in Africa, it's much easier to use what we used to call a WAP browser to access Facebook or whatever it is, rather than trying to go to an internet cafe or whatever that is, because there just isn't the infrastructure around. But almost everybody, even if you don't have electricity in your home, almost everybody has access to a 2G, 3G capable cellular phone. Maybe not a smartphone, but something that can at least text with and do T9. But what's also missing, which is something that some of the smartphone phone companies learned the hard way when they try to get into these markets is those phones are very expensive. So everybody used the same phone, which mind boggled me personally, because I remember as a, a younger person when cell phones first came out, I had to share the cell phone with my sister. Because we could only, so it, it mind boggled me that they didn't understand that people use the same cell phone, everybody. So with one of the other reasons why M-Pesa became so big is because they pulled their minutes. They pulled their resources together through one cellular account. And so I think that is something that's also kind of missing when they come in the emerging markets is the, the different type of, uh, community-based resources are, are available within that country. It's not individual-based. It's group thinking. It's not necessarily group thinking, but group-based where yeah. everyone in the family pitches in because that's you can't survive. You can't just mm -hmm. go and be on your own. You know, 18 years old, get kicked out of the house and make it somehow. You know, you everyone has to pull in and it's generational. And I think some of that might end up happening with certain with the way the certain uh, developments are occurring economically, I just don't know how the benefit will be overall individually for the people if these corporations just squash that, where they just kind of smash it so down so hard where they can't really yeah. uh, break away, which was, yeah. was something that was kind of happening with the MPSA thing. They were kind of breaking away with the already existing um infrastructure but there was just no room or no gift for them because they were so dependent on these other larger assets yeah 
I think that's that's where the the, the kind of disconnect is, um, cello between like what we experience and some of the most passionate people. Like Andreas Antonopoulos is probably the most passionate person ever, but I think his passion stems actual from actual experience of a shitty system. He's he's Greek. He's from Greece, and they had some shit go down, and so he's firsthand experienced what happens when things fail that aren't supposed to fail and the kind of group think the kind of group faith that changes when things fail that aren't supposed to fail or i put aren't supposed because i've been conditioned i live in a world where things can get too big to fail which doesn't make any fucking sense but we're not gonna go <laughs> we're not gonna go down <laughs> that path but you know that's 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 the kind of that's what's weird is that and the reason I talked about you, Chelo, is because you talk all the time about like Lambos. That stuff brings people in. That stuff causes this stuff. But I feel like that's one reason. And the more sustainable reason is reasons that other countries and people in other situations deal with why this is more sustainable than like, where's Bitcoin Lamb? Where's Moon Lambo guy? Where the fuck is that? What's his name? B- Moon Lambo? Belina? Yeah, what what does that guy even do now? <laughs> what is he even where is he? What is is he still an ex is he still an expert? Is he still a consultant? What is he even I mean, they go into hiding during the bear market and they erupt during the bull market. Yeah, because that's full of shit and it's empty and it has nothing. That, that that means nothing, but these other purposes are there and they're real and they they need people to what focus is it? So on. there's there's this downside to this too, because the people who need it may be relying on it. And they may make some money or get some get some, get some Bitcoin uh, for some services or try and hold on to it. And it drops to like 90%, like, you know, 90% or 10% of what it was. And that is a severe amount of livelihood for them. Like Ian Bolina's still, still living. He's still doing things. I bet he's doing okay. But like, you know, somebody who was relying on this to, to feed their family for a month may not be. And... Like, that's not something that that can that, that that's sustainable in the long term. Like these types of violate like fluctuations, or volatility isn't sustainable for for yeah. those for those types of people, even though they need it the most. So then it, it it rolls up to what you were talking about, Space Odyssey. By the way, Cowboy Bebop in the background, top three best animes of all time. Yes, I just revealed something about myself. I like anime. If you don't, fuck you. But. <laughs> I, I, so, I just lost let's, track. Let's think about this. Is, it, is, <laughs> is, there, is there usefulness to the Lambo guy? I think there is. There was when the ICOs were big. Now there's not. Well, maybe not now. Like overall, like during the hype cycles, they, they bring a tremendous amount of attention. It may not be good attention on the whole, but I mean, we've said this before. There's a percentage yeah. of those people that, that come here for the money. Like, let's not, let's all be honest. Uh, the money was a significant portion of why we're here in the first place. But the technology captures about four. How how expensive were those graphic cards, Cello? We bought four uh, seven hundred dollar graphic cards or some shit like that. To, yeah, we broke to even. Start mining Litecoin. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, that is the draw. I get that, but how? What I'm saying today, just like I called a shitty bottom, or did I? I haven't even listened. Is that? Perhaps, maybe, just maybe, that's not the lead-in foot anymore. That's not the the lead batter anymore. There's got to be somebody else who could switch hit. There's got to be some other thing that could switch hit. Stop saying baseball analogies. I don't don't, don't get them. I don't watch baseball. What do you mean you don't watch? You need to go back to Brazil because you're un-American. You need to give me your passport. I'll take it. And you need to just go back to Brazil and get a green passport or yellow. What are their colors? Green, blue, and yellow. Oh, the, the green. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just feel like You're that's an price, nice... price is isn't the main entry point anymore. Main point uh... of interest. The thing is, though, is if you lead with the foot, that price is 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 the is the, is the end all be all then there is never ever a mental readjustment from Bitcoin being something that's not 
dollar well, base. I think it's, it's part of that same conversation we were having earlier. There's a lot of different types of people who are in this for different reasons, and that's okay. Like that that makes that makes a community. It's Wait, like, it's like the, come it's, again? it's a it's a global it's a global currency. It's a global network of of money. If I've got and some shitheads in my for community, if I've got shitheads in my community, they're not in my community. I tell them to go. Hey, if you go take the road to the left, you take a left and then a right. There's the shithead community. Go to that community. Go there. Don't that this isn't that community. That's what I would say. I mean, not every. I feel, I feel like. If if Bitcoin started as a stable coin from day one, we wouldn't be here. Oh no, it'd be the most boring thing ever. It'd be the most. Bo- we wouldn't be here. This podcast wouldn't be here. Nobody would care. Yeah, but Marcelo, there was there was even ten years ago, there were ten thousand manufacturers of personal computers, right? And today there's five, and we probably only need five. But that doesn't mean that the technology behind the personal computer isn't revolutionary. It just means we didn't need ten thousand people manufacturing them, right? And I think in some ways, you know, when we got all caught up in the ICOs, we went from really having three viable choices in crypto assets to, to having you know, over 2,000 today. There is, I don't mean to sound biblical, but there is a cleansing coming. <laughs> and a lot of these coins will fall out because they don't really belong around anymore. We're already yeah. seeing that. Like, if you look at the what news, I'm sure, I'm sure just the headers just feeling this right now where like every, every time you turn around, it's a scam. Like people are coming yeah. out where like, you know, this this money's gone, this guy's scammed, this guy exited, so on and so forth. And it's like, well, no shit. There's like, like Ray said, 2,000 potentially profitable coins that came out from for somebody in those networks. And now we, we get to see the back-end yeah. story of, oh, it actually wasn't a real thing. People are just conned someone else in this hyper bear, hyper bull market. But, but not, yeah. not only the legitimate coins will win, though. It's whatever is, is the best marketed coin. True, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of scams out there. And I think I've said this. Did I interrupt somebody? I think somebody was going. I was just going to say that the windows for these scams, because I've been observing the space, is getting shorter and shorter. If you look at some of the earlier scams, some of them were like a couple years long. Some were very short. Like, for example, the, uh, what's it? Big Connect, right? Big Connect really only lasted. Yeah. Big Connect. Bitconnect lasted really like nine months, really, before everything fell apart and they just couldn't do anything. But the one, the one that they, the federal government's coming after, the one pay, the one pay coin or whatever, that lasted about almost two years. And then you had uh, Butterfly Labs and that um, other guy that went to prison, um, who said he had connections with Amazon and he was going to be on Amazon before Bitcoin. It started with a P. Uh, Pizza or whatever that lasted almost two years. So these scams are getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and the, their returns are still extravagantly big, but they're not as big as some of the earlier ones. And I think it's really just inoculating the um, the community to seeing these things because some of the mm-hmm. some of the stuff you think about, like just in the the old legacy market, like the SECs, like with the savings and loans in the eighties. With the housing market and the derivatives and the bundling and all that, and some of these other things like where the tax fraud and stuff like that, some of these things happen over and over again, and it's the same scam over and over again, and people keep getting conned and keep getting their money lost. And I just Uh, want to go on the record and say, Erosia, that I don't even think ICOs are necessarily the biggest magnet for scams and con artists. I think it's online exchanges. Because well, it yes. costs nothing to start an online exchange. You can you can spin up AW instances on four continents. And if you know what you're doing, which most people do, yes. you can basically start front running. You can start fractional trading. You can do all kinds of well, crazy shenanigans. And there really isn't even a single government body that's going to come and inspect your data center or interview your employees or anything yeah. like that. So when Ma- we, Matt Fox gave I'll be back. the I gotta go. for that. <laughs> okay. but... I got stuff to do. <laughs> go ahead, sorry. Ma- uh, when Ma- we think about, oh, I thought Corey was admitting. <laughs> no, I'm not being Corey's serious. Like, I gotta go start an exchange real quick. I'll be <laughs> yeah, so right we think about Quadriga, right? Quadriga is the very famous case. It's still in the news yeah. now because our yeah, it is. now discovered all kinds of stuff, right? When I say that's just the tip of the iceberg, I don't mean it's just the tip of the iceberg involving that Canadian exchange, right? No, it's everyone. Canada does have laws, 
I'm talking about it's the tip of the iceberg because there are 400 exchanges, 360 of whom you've never heard of before. No, but but a lot of them, if you look at what the card dealer one, it's like a thousand Bitcoin, like a ten thousand, like it's very small compared to Mount Gox. Yeah, it's which not was like hundreds of thousands, half a million right? Bitcoin. Yeah. And then it gets less and less and less. And, and a lot of it has to do with the value of Bitcoin itself having gone up in value. But they're, the con, the window for the con is very, is getting narrow and narrower. And I do think with the recent quadratic things, people are, are really going after these exchanges and like pulling their money out in some cases or holding and waiting and just waiting this bear market out with their assets in cold wallets or hardware wallets or offline. And just waiting to see like how everything shakes out because they they've been burned too many times with these exchanges, yep. and they're waiting for exchanges that are either decentralized like uh, was it? Um, I starts with a B. There's a lot of them now. There's a few, uh, or waiting for exchanges that are going to do that uh, thing that the that they the Bitcore uh, blockchain developed that you can do proof of assets that but nobody wants to do it. Oh yeah. This so is, well, then why is it that Bitfinex will not open themselves up to public audit then? What's in it for them? They've obviously got some people that suspect Tether is a scam or that suspect that they're, they're, that they're doing things around their books. Why wouldn't they want to show the world that that's not because true? Because they're, they're fractionally reserving their, their uh, crypto coins, but they, they actually have the USD, which they can't fractionally reserve because of licensing. So... Ooh, them them sounds. Do we just implicate the Bitcoin Podcast Network is in no way associated with the opinions of? <laughs> Do we just implicate ourselves? That's this is not legal like... advice, not financial advice. Well, we are in no way, shape, or form released by the quadratic thing. That's what they were doing, which which is what, what Mount Gox was doing. But they weren't they... supposed to be doing that. None of these exchanges are supposed to be doing that. They've never They're, said no, but that's publicly that that's what we're doing. Right? Banks do that banks do that these exchanges morally and ethically within the community we're not supposed to be fractionally reserving the coins okay. but legally <laughs> they can't sorry because they're not ethics. allowed to fractionally reserve the paper money yeah. the system's built on greed morals and ethics kind of go to morals the left and ethics can kind of go well, also the fact like this is also maybe just a sign of the times that we don't have really strong regulations across the world on how to deal with this type of stuff because most of the people who do regulation don't even fucking understand it so like yeah. because it's brand new and it's and it's like one of the first times we've drastically innovated how money works uh and the things you can do with it people are going to get real creative on coming up with quality schemes to make more money and they're going to abide by the rules that currently exist, such as you said, don't do fractional reserve with the fiat, but go to fucking town on the new crypto. Well, mm. I know. Will there be a bailout, Corey? Will, will there be a bailout if it's if it's significantly? Nah, just a bunch of bag holders. I'll, re I'll give my tax dollars to bail out crypto, damn it. That's one thing I will do. Now, uh, um, you know what I hear from what you said um Hiroja, I hear that the belt, like the chaos of crypto, what some of the people that love it the most is unfor whether they like to hear this or not, that's coming to an end. The belt is being tightened, and other people who have other uses for this open source technology are now grabbing the horns. They're going to level it off and set it up to go the direction they'd like for it to go. That's what is happening now. And that's why this bear market bear market hurt the most people that have been in it for a while, because that's the new reality. Is that regulation is here, deal with it. I, I had a friend sign up for Coinbase the other day and they were like, I had to give him my social security. And I was like, Yeah, man, new fucking world of crypto. I've dropped a lot of F bombs in the show, but I'm okay Not, with it. You don't have like if you go to Coinbase, yeah. You don't have to do that on everywhere. That's true. You don't have to do that, but <laughs> what is that? It's the big connect sound. Oh, big connect. Ray is so pleased with himself right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think... Cello, you're like sitting in the dark over there. What's going on? Yeah, man, that doesn't look uh -oh. ominous at all. <laughs> Two of my light bulbs busted and I don't have any replacements. I wish I had a cooler answer for you. Like... <laughs> um well that that's what I think kind of the reality is. You you so 
to totally switch to another topic. You put our crypto businesses filing taxes. Why? That's kind of a kite it goes in in terms of regulation. I mean, it's like, so say your business, um, you never touch fiat. You're a completely crypto business. Yeah. Do you file taxes? No. 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 The answer to that is no. Why not? You Why? file taxes on everything that's well, I totally think you do. I 100% uh, think you do. Because your first have, few years in business, you're losing money, and you definitely want to file that. <laughs> we had a we had an announcement with a CPA who said we should, and we're just we're clearly saying, nah. <laughs> Don't listen to that announcement. Well, I, so I also am under the opinion that's a, that's an announcement, anybody who is a CPA <laughs> is anybody who is a CPA or legal advice right now is going to err on the side of caution in a lot of ways. Like they're they're, they're going to give advice that brings them. No one's going to. No CPA is going to be giving yeah. advice like, ah, they're not going to out on you. You're fine. Yeah. It's or like we don't like we don't know, so don't do it. They're going to say we don't know, so do it. In my opinion. Okay. Well, unless unless there's something that exists that is clearly defined as you should be doing this. But at, if you were a legally registered business, it, it will just we'll take the United States because that's where we live and that's where we're registered. Uh, and you make money, even if it's in crypto. And you should file it, or do you not? Okay, okay. Let me take that back. Like, if you ever throw money into your bank account, then it has to come from somewhere. Okay, let me take that back. I answered that quickly. I have been drinking. I answered that quickly. Um, let me say this: if you have only ever taken crypto. And took it long before any of the current day, the way things go. Then I would say the very second, if your crypto goes from being crypto and turns into some sort of fiat, boom. All right, so now, how about this? You've now got to play by the typical rules. How about this? Say, say I get, I say I, I, I work for a business that is a purely crypto business. I am then paid in crypto. And then I sell that crypto. How do I tax you, that? You, sir, are the one that's liable, not them. How do the I tax one it? Paying in crypto. Is it income? Is it is it capital gains tax? Is it? Is it is it capital gains. It's an equity that you're being given, and it's capital gains. What was the, you take the spot price. price? Spot price at the time it was given to you. I would call that income, because I I, I performed services and was paid. And if I, I, if, I, if, I if I tax it as income, then the business that gave it to me should probably be filing it as well. Yeah, but then they have to play payroll. Then they have to pay payroll tax. What you are getting paid in is is equity. Is something it's essential to no. like property. No, I'm talking about the legalities of it, not the way we want to see it. Uh, Bitcoin, crypto, works. crypto is subject to capital gains tax. The same as your stocks, the same as anything that can get value. And then when you sell it, if you sold it for more than it was worth when you bought it, you get that 15% capital gains. Tax. So I, I was always under the impression that, say, I am working as a freelancer for somebody, I get paid in crypto, I count that as income. And from that point forward, I pay capital gains losses from where it fluctuates from that point when I got it as income. So you get double taxed, kind of. This is that you get you tax for your income, and then you pay the capital gains loss on the differentiation from when you got it as income. That's if you convert it, right? I would not hold it. Up like that. Yeah, if you hold it, why does it matter? I don't know. I would not. I'm not up a like tax that person. At just all. how I I'm not going to get. That's not. I would not be one. We're both batting weight. Sorry, no more baseball analogies. Let me try to use a soccer analogy. We are. Defenders trying to play striker. No, just don't even, don't even try. None of us are. I want to apologize. Soccer driving the car and it just wrecked the car listening to this tax advice. <laughs> exactly. Like if there's a tax account listening to this, they're probably like, listen to these ah! shitheads. Listen to them be shitheads. No, this is this is everyone. <laughs> this is everyone. If they you in gold coins, this is goes back eighty years. If I pay you in gold coins and you're a business, you have two ways you can recognize that. You can either do cash-based accounting 
or accrual-based accounting. And whatever you decide is your way of accounting in your business, you have to stick with it all along. You can't fluctuate yeah. based on whether gold goes up or down, right? And so if you want to recognize that as cash, as, as the cash value at the time it comes in, you write that in your ledger book, or you maybe put it on a distributed ledger if, you, if you're so inclined, but that's <laughs> what it is accounted for. You, you I, can't wait until the end of the tax year and then go, man, those gold coins are only worth 5% of what they were when they paid me. I think I'll just, just declare that as my income. I, I think that's right. not true because there was a company in Las Vegas where for almost 20 years, this guy paid his employees in gold coins. And he got hit by the tax man because they wanted to tax the actual value of the gold coins. Who's got like so much gold coins lying around? Uncle <laughs> fucking Scrooge McDuck, Vegas baby. Is a very weird spot. That's that's where you had like the the guru that told Wesley Snipes not to pay his taxes. All those people were in like in the Las Vegas area. Uh, this yeah. guy did it for almost 20 years. It, he got hit by the IRS and got sent to the federal prison so, because they were supposed to pay the actual value of the gold coin, which was not the 5 or $20. It was like that $1,000 an ounce type of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I wanna, on that note, I want to officially recant and apologize. Up until like five minutes ago, I had said, oh, find a way to pay your taxes in a, let me just say this: find a way to pay your taxes in a way that works best for you. Don't <laughs> refer to this fucking show because none of us are tax accountants. <laughs> and I do have a funny story to tell you about that, D. Yeah. Apparently, Ripple, Ripple Labs, apparently has been paying their engineers signing bonuses in XRP, right? And this came out, and it was just a baby controversy amidst all the other controversies of the last couple of weeks. But I remember thinking, if they paid you a million XRP tokens to come to work there, is that a signing bonus? Is it a vested stock option? Is it part of your annual compensation? Like, I don't think anyone knows. Talking, right? Yeah. The thing is, is that what, what, what Ray said is right, and that's whatever way you choose to do it, that's the way you choose to do it forever. Now, whether that's good news or bad news on some years is tough shit. But <laughs> whatever way you do choose to do it, and that's the way it goes in the books. That's the way it always has to go in the books. Point blank, period. That is advice that I am willing to put my name on. Unless you get a tax accountant that changes that advice. <laughs> and he's <laughs> go to an act professional, they don't say that. Yeah. Hashtag not tax accountants. Hashtag not I really think you need to get John McAfee on the show to tell you about his attitude about Fuck tax. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy. I hate him. But he does have people buy the buy the short and curlies though. People really, people. This is one thing that I think I grow as I grow older and I get more. I think I have three gray hairs now. I get pissed off with people that are fucking extra for no reason other than to be extra, and you people just, just love them. Money all turns out today. Well, why is this guy so irrational? Why are you so irrational? But yet tens of thousands, if not maybe even poking at 100,000 people, pick up everything he puts down. Who are you talking and about? I'm just thinking like the McAfee's of the world. Oh, no. We, we talked about him. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, what was it? Um, he's the people's champ. Anybody that's around. Like, like okay, I'm just talking about pop culture theory. He's vice like, signaling. R. Kelly gets on NBC nightly or ABC, whatever, and starts crying and doing jumping jacks. And everybody is like, this is the greatest R. Kelly. Oh, my God. It's just it's like, dude, why are you so attracted to people that are fucking ridiculous? This is getting off the rails. Let's wrap it up. I don't know. (laughs) I just feel like I get tired of that stuff. I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. So much so that we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. How long have we been going? An hour. Hey, good. what do you guys think about Kate Beckinsale dating Pete Davidson? Let's talk about that. You know for what? Minutes. I actually for like Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> I think Pete Davidson is funny. Mark, you've I been like here the whole time. You haven't said a word. You got anything for us? I got nothing to say. Uh, it's just been, uh, I don't know, a lot of talking that I don't know a whole lot about. The only thing that I wanted to point out was when we were talking about, or when you were talking about, uh, like Venmo and Cash App, kind of the speed uh, being important. We cannot on layer one Bitcoin compete with that. So until we have Lightning Network, 
that is widespread and that's easy to use. I mean, right now, the easiest way to do it is to buy a lightning node for hundreds of dollars. Venmo yeah. is easy. Cash app is easy. So, But it's not yeah. real. It's, it's fake speed. If you're well, yeah, using banks, it's not real speed. Yeah, but the, then yeah, again, perception is reality, Core. We've all seen the Matrix. True. I know there's, this there's, there's an aspect to real. it. It's in, it's in my account. I can use it. It's just a I matter of this, like maybe a month later, it's not there anymore. I know the stake isn't juicy. I know the stake isn't real. But damn it, ignorance is bliss. That's what it is. Point blank, period. You so, said that how many times this episode? Point blank, period? I said it a lot. I've been drinking. <laughs> the fact. That's what happens when you do night shows. Um, yeah, so one, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Hiroja. Thank you, Mark. Fake last name. Uh, I wish that was your real last in. name. I really do. Yeah, I wish that was your real last <laughs> name. That would be amazing. I'll have to change it. Um, so what do we do? We're the Bitcoin Podcast, flagship show of the Bitcoin Podcast Network. If you go to the bitcoinpodcast.com, you'll see all the things. Um, you can join our Slack. You would get notified of when to hop in on the show and give your opinion and give your thoughts. Um, yeah, so if you're like infuriated by yeah. all the stuff we just said, you can correct us if you come to the Slack and join yeah. us. If you're a tax accountant and you don't want to go on announcements to talk about you just want to talk about how stupid we are? You can join the Slack. You can talk. Um, what else do we have going on? Uh, shout out to Wayne. This is two shows in a row now. I'm shout out to Wayne. He's pledged to give us a hundred dollars so long as we pledge to give you guys premium content every month. That is insane to me that you make that kind of pledge, Wayne. But that is awesome, and he did that by going to Patreon.com/slash The Bitcoin Podcast Network. Um, yeah. So Cello and Corey and myself have promised to deliver some premium content in the form of interviews because uh, we used to give you guys interviews on a weekly and sometimes bi-weekly basis. Um, but we stopped doing interviews and Cello, if you can agree, it was pretty like, like candidly, we were just like, man, I feel like we've interviewed everyone that matters in the space. And we just kind of got. Yeah, and I, I just don't feel like I should interview people for free so they can make money and I don't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty much what it was. It was like, yeah, we're interviewing all these people and they're getting all this exposure and we've interviewed everyone that's important and you know, so we're going to move our interviews to the premium platform, but they're still as delicious and amazing as they were before. Um, I know we still have banter. Yeah, we still have Hashing It Out that does an interview platform, and um, uh, Crypto Bully does an interview platform as well. So if you do, if you are just head over heels about listening uh, to interviews, you can get them there. But our hours on the Bitcoin podcast will be moving to Patreon. Um, what else do we do? What do, we, what do you guys do out there? If you would Got like to give us money without uh, any compensation for that, go to donate the donate button. At our website. Oh, yeah. You can donate. There's a donate. Click on that. And if you donate the most, you get put on top of the leaderboard and you're better than all the other donators. So go be the best donator you can be. <laughs> Who's the best right now? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's an anonymous person from. Oh. It's, it's a big one. Uh, yeah, and on the list. I, and, will, uh, I always I'll shout them out. $300. Wow. People really like what we put down sometimes. They're picking up what we put down. Um, speaking of picking things up, you could pick up our book. Uh, it deserves to be on every coffee table in the world. Uh, we've taken all those interviews that we just talked about. We ask a question. Uh, it's a trademark question. Uh, you know, Can you describe Bitcoin, Ethereum, or cryptocurrency in 10 words or less? Um, and, or sorry, blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or blockchain in 10 words or less? And we collected all the answers and we made it into a nice, pretty book. Shout out to Cello. He sprinkled some awesomeness on it. And you can find that on the website. There's a big picture of the book. And guess what you do? You click, click on, on it. Shit. You click on the book. And it takes you to where you can buy the book. Someone covered $300. Um, Bitcoin. People, I'm telling you, man. Thank you, 3R1U8WBCDG. 
That's the way we need to keep it, baby. Keep it an on. Um, of course, JT writes is a week to be in crypto. You can find that on medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast blog. Or on scent. Or scent. on scent and seed him and give him Stop. Don't give him free stuff. I'm working on something with him. No kidding. Go to scent. Um shit, man. I don't know what else we do. We do uh, we enough. do things. If you search on Google Bitcoin Podcast, you see all stuff that's was going on from us. So you guys got anything? People that called in? No? All right. Well, in that case, shout out to Zazi Beats. Oh sorry, Zazi Beats, Zoe Saldana, and Carlo Lewis. Uh play the outro. I'm back, baby.